Good morning. And welcome to Christmas season at Crossroads. And, uh, but no Taylor Swift song. So, uh, so <laughs> that, <laughs> that's right. Cheers that I'm not singing. So, uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, and just, yeah, let me add my thanks to all those who, uh, who, who decorated the church this week. I mean, it is a huge, massive undertaking decorating every room in this place, and uh, it is just so beautiful. So lots of volunteers and lots of staff hands as well, and uh, I love it. And uh, so, and it, since it is the Christmas season, often the season of giving, you also will find in your bulletins our annual Christmas offering. Uh, a, little, a little insert about what we're giving to this year, and there are, there are three wonderful um, uh, uh, causes that we're giving to, and so I encourage you to read that, and we'll be ex- accepting gifts anytime between now and, and actually the end of the year, uh, many, most coming in on Christmas Eve. Uh, and just a little reminder, just make sure that whenever you give to those special causes, you give over and above your regular giving to the church. Uh, we, we don't want to suddenly have no money coming into the church on, in December, but lots of money coming into to the special event. So after you've given your, your, your regular tithes and offerings to the church, we encourage you to be very generous in, uh, in, in blessing other, other ministries. Amen? Amen? And along those lines, let me just say thank you to everyone for your continued, uh, consistent, and generous giving. Um, and uh, it's really been a, a blessing. And uh, so anyway, now we get into our beautifully imperfect Christmas message series. And uh, I, I chose that because, you know, the truth is when Christmas comes, we all have these ideas of what we hope Christmas to be, what we hope it to look like. And we want the sort of the, the perfect family, the perfect gifts, the perfect party, the perfect decorations. We want everything to be just right. But guess what? I can guarantee you it won't be. I can guarantee you something's going to go wrong. Someone's going to make you upset. Something, I mean, stuff is going to go wrong, but it can still be a beautiful Christmas, right? So things don't have to be perfect to be wonderful and beautiful. In fact, the first Christmas was not perfect from, from any human point of view. You know, one thing I, I always tell brides, husbands don't care, um, <laughs> <laughs> I always tell brides, I said, something's going to go wrong at your wedding. I, don't, I can't predict what it is or I'd fix it, but something's going to go wrong with your wedding. But guess what? When it's over, you're going to be married. And you're going to have a good story to tell. So don't let it upset you too much that it's not perfect, right? I mean, at my wedding, one of our maid of honors collapsed in the middle of the, of, of the, the wedding ceremony. So uh, I'm not going to say who it is because my, my, it's a sister-in-law and she might not be happy with me naming her, but uh, <laughs> I've got three sisters-in-law, so it's all good. So actually, I've got more than that. Anyway, whatever. Who knows? Obviously, a very imperfect memory, but um, so yes. And, and so as we think about Christmas then, um, you know, often there are surprises that come with Christmas. There are good surprises, and there are bad surprises. You probably have good surprises. You know, you get a gift and it's a surprise gift and it's perfect, right? Awesome. Or maybe you get a Christmas bonus and it's like, yes. Or, or, or maybe you, you, you get a, a, a marriage proposal at Christmas. Awesome. Well, hopefully it's the person you wanted to propose. Um, 
But these are good surprises, but they're also bad surprises at Christmas. They really are. You know, some people lose a job around Christmas. In fact, if you, if you read the news, a number of co- companies are cutting hundreds of thousands of jobs. Uh, even here in Camarillo, um, one, of the, one of the companies here is cutting half their workforce in Camarillo. That happens at Christmas. That's a bad surprise. I have a friend who lost his wife on Christmas Eve. And that was 10 years ago and eight years ago. And Christmas never been the same. Never been the same. And so, you know, Christmas, again, we have these hopes and these expectations. And sometimes it comes through. Sometimes we are very disappointed. And I just want to say right now, as happy as most of us are with Christmas, there are folks among us who, for whom Christmas is a difficult season. In fact, this year it may be the first Christmas that you have without a loved one, and that makes it hard. Or you have some, um, some, some history with Christmas that makes it just a, a very difficult, emotionally complex um, a holiday. Or maybe you're alone, you don't have any family around it, so, so you, you, that makes Christmas more difficult. So... We just need to realize that Christmas has a lot of different emotions mixed up with it. And, and wherever you are in this Christmas season, whether you're like totally on, on cloud nine or in, in sort of the dumps of depression, um, God is with you. And he's at work. And just allow him to give you his light during this season. Well, we're going to jump into um, the surprises at Christmas and... Uh, and we're going to look at it from two different angles. One is the announcement of Jesus' birth to Mary, and then the announcement of Jesus' birth to Joseph. And they, they had two very different experiences about Christmas, about the birth, about, actually not even the birth yet, but just the announcement, how it came into being. So, so just hang with me. We're going to start in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. This is the announcement to Mary. And I'm going to read this through um, the the 13 verses, and I'm going to stop after each one and give a little comment, because I like to do that. So, and and I'm up here. So, (laughs) I'm sorry. The new guy's going to come soon, I'm sure. So, in the sixth month, let's just pray before we get into scripture. (laughs) Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for just being here with us wherever we are, and being in the midst of our lives. And, and as we now read your word, as we read the words that Gabriel gave to Mary on your behalf, we just pray you'd touch our hearts, you'd open our hearts and minds to, to see you anew and to receive you anew as well. And so we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So it begins, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, and I'll just start, Elizabeth was Mary's cousin, but whereas Mary is a teenage girl, Elizabeth was much, much older, past childbearing years, and so in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, a miraculous pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary, and she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Let me just stop here and just say, you've all heard that before, but when it says Joseph, a descendant of David, you know, being a descendant of David wasn't that big of a deal. I hate to say it, but 
There have been 28 generations, according to Matthew, between David and Joseph. You know how many offspring you have in 28 generations? There were thousands of descendants of David. So, now, it's important he was a descendant of David, but it's not like he's like Prince Joseph or anything. So he's just one of the millions or well, thousands of, of, uh, of descendants of David. But that's still very important. It goes on to say, So Gabriel appeared to Mary and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Sounds good so far. What was Mary's response? It says, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Right, so, so Mary's response was confusion, right? Disturbed. Why is an angel standing in front of me talking to me, right? This is not a normal thing to happen to anybody. And so she's disturbed. She's confused. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Then, then the angel goes on to describe this son she's going she's to have. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, if you were told when you were a mom or dad, this baby, this is what it's gonna, this is what they're gonna be, you'd be going, what? Right? I mean, it's like, um, now in America, you know, we grow up, any child can be president, right? That's sort of the, the America that we know is democratic. Anybody can come from anywhere to be, to be president. But not back then. Back then, you basically were stuck in the same place that your parents were. You lived there the rest of your life, and your kids would do the same thing in the same place the rest of their lives. There was very little mobility socially in Jesus' day. So this is, this is incredible. Well, it goes on. Mary seems to actually ignore all this amazing stuff, right? And she says, Mary asked the angel, but, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin, Right, so she's stuck on the, you're going to conceive. And she's going, huh? Right? So a little confusion. So the angel replied, oops, yeah, I should tell you this. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Now, for how many of you does that explain everything? It, I mean, really? The Holy Spirit will come upon you? What does that mean? The power of the Most High will overshadow you. This is not explaining anything. Just say, it's going to be a miracle. That's the simple explanation. It's going to be a miracle. What's more, he goes on to say, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Amen. See, God predicted to Elizabeth's husband, Zachariah, you're going to have a son. By the way, that son became John the Baptist who prepared the way for Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And, and, and let me also say this. Um, you know, exactly how did God do it? Who knows? But here's the thing. Some people say virgin births don't happen, Right? But 
the truth is, the God who created the universe, the God who designed you and me, the, the God who designed the world and how everything works perfectly in balance, the, the one who designed how our bodies work down to the, the atom, this is not a hard miracle for him to do. So people say, that doesn't happen, that can't happen. It's like, have you looked at the world recently? It's a miracle. So the God of the universe can do pretty much anything he wants. There is no miracle that is too hard, and this is an easy one for God. So um, if you ever hear, ah, that, that doesn't work. Well, God can literally do whatever he desires. And then so finally, the last verse here, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. And then the angel left her. And, and that, that little thing of Mary um, just shows her acceptance of what God wants to do. Now, it's interesting. Um, I wonder, did she have any choice? Because <laughs> she said, no, no, I'm not going to go for it. You know, <laughs> so uh, I'm not sure that would have worked. But, uh, but I love her response. She, she begins, I am the Lord's servant. You know, sometimes the truth is we, we do sort of fight against what God wants to do in our lives. But she recognized who she was. I am the Lord's servant. In other words, whatever the Lord wants to do through me, I want that to happen. Not I'm, I'm willing for it to happen. I guess if it has to happen. She's like, I am the Lord's servant. That's who I am. So Lord, use me. That was her attitude. That, that's the awesome attitude of Mary. May everything you've said come true about me. So, so that's, that's the, the, the announcement to Mary. It's a surprise for sure, right? This is nothing Mary expected. Uh, no angel had appeared talking to people for hundreds of years. Um, but it was at least a mostly good surprise, right? In the moment anyway. And, and that leads us to our, really our first point today, finally, and that's this. God comes to us in the middle of regular life. There are three points that I want to get out of, out of this announcement to Mary. And the first one is, God comes to us in the middle of regular, normal, everyday life. Mary wasn't at the temple praying when the angel appeared. You know, she was, she was, uh, she was probably just doing whatever she would normally do. During the, maybe she's mending, you know, her dad's uh, work, work shirt or something. Maybe she's addressing envelopes, uh, you know, wedding invitations. I don't know what she's doing. But in the middle of just her regular day, God sends an angel to appear. You know, Mary was a teenage girl, probably 14, 15 years old, based on what we know of when young women got married back then. And uh, in sort of a, a backwater town, uh, we never would have known who she was if it hadn't been for this announcement and her being the mother of Jesus. But God came to her life as it was. Right? The, the very first uh, verse we read, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, which is more the hick place versus the cosmopolitan place of Jerusalem to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings. Backwater town. But here's the thing. Just as God came to Mary in her ordinary, normal 
regular life. In the same way, God still comes to us in our everyday, normal, regular life. We don't have to be in church for God to come to us or speak to us or guide us. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, that's where God comes to us. In fact, he comes to us in the middle of our imperfect, messy, dysfunctional, stressed out, hopeful lives. Wherever you're living, that's where God's coming to you. In fact, that's what Jesus did, right? When, when, when God came into this world in Jesus Christ, he came into a world that was imperfect, messy, dysfunctional, broken, sinful. But he came here, why? Because that's where we live. And God came to us, into our lives, to give us hope, to give us forgiveness, to give us a light and a path and a future and to give us back our lives to forgive us and bring us back into the family of God as God's children. So God always comes into the mess of life, whether it's Jesus into the mess of the world or God into the mess of your life right now. And the mess of your life, whether you're on top of the mountain or in the valley, God comes to us. And, And you know, he doesn't wait for us to clean up the house before he knocks on the door. You know, that's why we don't like surprise guests, right? But I didn't clean the house. But Jesus comes to you as you are, your life as it is. And he says, I love you as you are. And I'm going to help you clean the house. Isn't, wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> yes, Jesus. We, um, he doesn't wait for you to come to church to speak to you. He doesn't wait for you to have all the answers to begin to guide you. In fact, we'll never have all the answers. That's why he comes to us, to guide us in the middle of the mess, on the right path, the path of life, of hope, of joy, of love, of having a life that really makes a difference in this world. So God comes to us in our regular, normal, everyday life. So look for him. Look for him. You know, the second point, though, is that that as we look for him, remember, God is not bound by our expectations or our understandings. God is not bound by our expectations or our understandings. You know, most of the time, we want to fit God into a box, a box that's comfortable for us. It's like, God, this is who you are, and this is what you do. You stay here. But but God doesn't do that. God will not stay in a box and he, he, he's not bound by my expectations. He's going to do whatever he wants. Mary had her life planned out, right? Mary, Joseph, you know, about a year later, begin to have all our kids, you know, because back then you had lots of kids, right? And so she had her life planned out, and it did not include an angel coming to her and say, you're going you're gonna to conceive like really soon before you get married. And, 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 and by the way, Nobody else is going to know that an angel came to you. And when you tell them, they're not going to believe you. And your life's going to be a real mess. But that's what I'm calling you to, right? So, and Mary, so Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. It's like, this isn't the way life works. We all have an idea of how life works, don't we? I do. How I want it to work and how I think it actually does work. And those aren't always the same. Um, 
But we have an idea of how life works. And we expect God to fit into our way of living and thinking and doing. People say, we say, that's not the way the world works. But God works in his way. But the Bible even says, his ways are not our ways. His wisdom is far above our wisdom. We understand a very small part of what happens in the world. God understands it all. So many people miss God because they don't really see him for who they is, he is. We, we want God to be in our image rather than us to be in his image, right? And so we miss him because we think the way the world works is, well, God wants me to be happy. And the answer to that is, that's not his highest priority for you. His highest priority for you and me is that we would be healthy, right? That we would be mature, that we would be a blessing, that we would live lives of significance. And often that means not always happy. Think of Mary. When she told her parents, I'm pregnant, when she told Joseph, I'm pregnant, but it's okay, an angel told me, that started a very unhappy time for her. I mean, the, the Bible doesn't explain it all, uh, but we know because of the time, in fact, she even escaped Nazareth to go visit Elizabeth for a while to get away from her town, to be with someone who would actually understand God is doing a miracle. So is God's purpose for us, his number one purpose, happiness? No. We think, well, that's the way life ought to work, but, that's, but God wants us to be mature, healthy, to live a life that makes a difference. Mary said yes to that. You know, some people miss God because the way they think, they think, we don't need God. I don't need God. The world doesn't need God, right? I'm good on my own. And a lot of people think that. Or, or God just, just a little bit of help with God, from God maybe is fine. But, but the truth is that even people who say, I don't need God, depend every moment of every day upon the gifts that God's given them without their even realizing that every breath is a gift, that their ability is a gift, that, that the grace that they have around them and the love they have around them is a gift from God, but, but they don't recognize that. Sometimes if we need to change our expectations to be able to see God at work. Sometimes people may say, you know, how can God be good if there's evil in the world? You've heard that. How can God be good if I'm suffering in this way? Because we have a narrow view and we expect God to just make things good for me or the people that I love or care about. But God has a much bigger view and, and God works in the midst of the evil of the world. In fact, often people say, why is there evil and suffering? Don't even realize that they're a part of the evil and suffering. Why does God allow free will? That's the bigger question. Why does, he got, why does God allow us to hurt each other? But he's given us that gift that we often misuse. But... Again, God's not bound by our expectations to do things the way that we think they ought to be done. Sometimes people say, how can God forgive that person? You might think of a historical person that was really evil, you know, Stalin, Hitler, you know, Mao Zedong, whoever. Or you might be thinking of a person in your own life who really hurt you badly. How can God forgive that? Or some people might even say, how could God forgive me? I, I know what I've done. I know how much I've messed up my life. I know how much I've hurt other people. How could God forgive me? 
But again, God is not bound by my limited expectations or understandings or my inability to see the full depth of God's amazing grace. And so, as we think about Christmas and the eternal God who created the universe becoming a human in Jesus Christ to show us his love sacrificially and to give us forgiveness and life, no one expected that. No one thought that's the way God would work. But again, we need to keep our eyes open to see how God is at work. And and then the third thing from, from Mary's announcement is Trust in God's presence, his promise, and his purpose. Whatever is going on in your life, good or bad, trust in God's presence, his promise, and his purpose. You know, the the whole point of the Christmas story, uh, the the deep meaning of the Christmas story is that God is here. That, That God who created everything didn't just stay far, far away. He actually came to us. God is here. God is active. He's not sitting back looking. He's active. And he loves you and me. And he's got a purpose. He has a future. He has a hope. That's the truth of Scripture, of Christmas. It's why we celebrate it. You know, it's not about trees and and Santa, although we love those things, but it's really about God's presence, his activity, his love, and his purpose for each and every one of us. Do we trust that purpose, his presence, his promise to us? From the lips of Gabriel, this is the truth. Gabriel appeared to Mary and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And and he goes on and concludes, the word of God will never fail. When God says, I am with you, he means I am with you, not just every now and then, but every moment of your life, whether you recognize it or not, right? So his, his presence in my life doesn't depend upon me recognizing it in the moment, thankfully. And God has made a lot of promises to us to be there for forgiveness, to give us life, to give us purpose, to fill us with his peace. And and he will fulfill those promises if we open our, our heart to him and say, yes, Lord. Like Mary, yes, Lord. He keeps his promises. And he does that because he's given us his spirit. Jesus told his disciples, even though I'm leaving, it's a good thing I'm leaving because I'm going to send my spirit to be with you always, to empower you to live the life you were meant to live, a life of purpose. And then, obviously, Mary's response, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. She accepted the purpose of God in her life. In that moment, she didn't realize the hardship that she would endure. And not just during the pregnancy, but, you know, I mean, you know, you've heard the story, right? Jesus is born. Two years later, Herod's trying to kill Jesus. They escape to Egypt. They come back, they go to Nazareth, right? Later on, 30 years later, Jesus is in ministry. And what does Mary have to watch? Her son being crucified. This was not an easy life for Mary, Yet it was a life that changed the world. 
because she was willing to be God's servant, to just simply say, yes, Lord, I'll go where you lead. I may not always understand, but I'm going to go where you lead me. And so wherever you are right now, God has a purpose for you too. You may think that you're not very significant in the world, but, but Mary didn't think she was very significant either. And, and, and Mary's parents thought, well, you know, just another kid, right? I mean, just in this long line, I'm sure she was beautiful and wonderful and everything. But, um, but you know, we, we generally tend to think, I just don't make much difference in the world. In fact, some people think the world might be just as well without me. But let me tell you, it won't. Because no matter how happy you are with your life or depressed you are with your life, God still wants to use you. He can make a difference through you. Not because you think you can, but by the power of God. He wants to use you. There is never a hopeless life. There is never a meaningful life. If you let God work through you, even through your pain and the suffering of life, God works powerfully. Which leads us to Matthew chapter 1 and the announcement to Joseph. Because there's another, there's another guy here, right? Joseph, the guy who's supposed to, to raise Jesus as his son. And so we move to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And let, let me read that for you. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, and while she was still a virgin... She became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's basically a, a summation of what we heard from Mary, okay? So far, so good. But what about Joseph, right? That's the question. So verse 19 goes on. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to divorce her quietly, to break the engagement quietly. So here we have Joseph, he hears, obviously, Mary's pregnant. The only conclusion that Joseph can come to is she's cheated on him. And her whole story about an angel, while creative, I mean, she got points for creativity, for imagination, but zero for truth in Joseph's mind, right? So can you imagine how Joseph would be feeling? I mean, betrayed, Angry, heartbroken, embarrassed, humiliated, right? I mean, all these emotions swirling inside of Joseph. And if, if there was ever a person who deserved to be vindictive and, and to lash out and seek revenge, it was Joseph. But what did he do? He says he was a righteous man and didn't want to disgrace her publicly. In the midst of his heartbreak, he still cared about Mary, right? In the midst of his world crumbling, he had the strength to be truly good, to be a blessing. That's strength of character. That's a strong man who doesn't lash out in anger but decides to still bless the woman who betrayed him. 
And so the original says to to divorce her. Uh, The the New Living Translation says to break the engagement because once you're engaged, you're basically as good as married. The date hasn't just come yet. Um, So certain privileges you don't have, if you get my meaning. So um, anyway, it goes on, verse 20. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Finally, the angel appears. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, wow. First surprise that Joseph got was the worst surprise possible, right? The next surprise is angel saying, She was telling the truth, which probably, I don't know what emotions Joseph had at that moment. I think I'd be angry at God. Why did you wait so long to tell me, right? Um, But then guilt, oh man, what have I done to Mary? She was telling the truth. Is she still going to want me? Who knows what he was going through, but everything. But notice also, you are to name him Jesus. Even though he is not the biological father of Jesus, he is still the father of Jesus. It is the father's prerogative to name the child. So, so God here, through Gabriel, saying, you're the father. You're going to name him. You will name him Jesus. And it goes on, and it says, So the Lord's promise came true, just as the prophet had said. A virgin will have a baby boy, and he will be called Emmanuel which means God with us. That was a a prophecy from the prophet Isaiah 500 years before. God was fulfilling. Remember the promise to to, to Mary? God's word will never fail. Well, this is God's word never failing. And after Joseph woke up, he and Mary were soon married, just as the Lord's angel had told him to do, but they did not sleep together before her baby was born. And then Joseph named him Jesus. So just like Mary, Joseph said, yes, Lord, I'm going to trust in your purpose for me. I'm going to trust in your promise. And I'll take this woman and this baby to be mine. I love Joseph. Awesome guy. And so what do we learn from Joseph? Well, lots of things, but And by the way, you don't hear much about Joseph in the rest of the Bible. Why? Because he died somewhere between Jesus' age 12 and age 30 when he began his ministry. But in that time, he was a father to Jesus. He he taught him, you know, to love God. In fact, he took him to Jerusalem for the festival, the Passover feast. So Joseph was a devout man and taught Jesus. I'm not sure how much teaching Jesus had needed, but he taught Jesus (laughs) to love God, right? And to obey him and to follow him. He taught Jesus a trade. Jesus was a carpenter. Why? Because Joseph was a carpenter. So Joseph passed on to Jesus everything he could, including his name, including his lineage. But one of the things I want to learn from Joseph is our point number four. Stay gracious no matter what the circumstances. Stay gracious no matter what the circumstances. Joseph could have responded to Mary very differently. I mean, his emotions probably were telling him to, but his character overcame the raw emotions. We need that strength of character to stay gracious in every situation. 
Again, verse 19, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so decided to divorce her quietly, to bless her on the way out. You know, I already promised you that this Christmas is going to be imperfect, right? And it's going to be. And I can guarantee you someone is going to disappoint you this Christmas. Someone is going to annoy you. It might be the person sitting next to you right now. I don't know. Um, <laughs> or not. Um, someone's going to hurt you. Someone's going to make you angry or frustrated or depressed or whatever. Insert emotion, right? Stuff's going to happen that's going to make you go, ugh. I mean, we don't want to go, ugh, at Christmas, but we do. But we need to stay gracious anyway. We need to respond to people with grace rather than anger or vengeance, getting back to them, humiliating them, whatever it may be. God wants us to have the character of Joseph who stayed gracious. The truth is that when people annoy us, upset us, hurt us, whatever it may be, we don't know the whole story about what's going on in their lives, right? Just as Joseph didn't really understand what was going on in Mary's life. But he chose to be gracious until he found out the truth, which was a good. But we don't always know what's going on in someone's life. In fact, I was just talking to, to a couple people uh, this week, a couple different folks, who, and, and talking about you can't things, take things personally. It's easy to take things personally. But the truth is, often what people say and do reveals more about who they are than it does about who you are. So be gracious to them. You don't know what challenges they're going through. They may really need you to be gracious. They're just lashing out like, you know, a, a dog that's hurting will, will bite its master sometimes because the dog is hurting. Not calling people dogs. But you don't know what's going on. They might just need love. They might just need someone to listen or understand. Who knows? Be gracious. Be a part of God's healing and hope in their lives. But there's also, it may not be other people that disappoint you this, this, this holiday. It may be yourself that disappoints. I mean, often we disappoint ourselves. We get, oh, I messed that up. Or, I, you know, or maybe we're lonely or depressed and, and, and that frustrates us. And, or we're, we're stressed. I mean, everybody gets stressed at Christmas time. That's just like a given, right? Peace on earth, stress. It's, you know, I mean, we live next to the stress capital of the world, the outlets, right? I'm not, about, about three hours from now, stressful parents, stressful everybody out there. Um, when stuff in your own life is not going right, be gracious with yourself. And don't lash out at other people as well. When you're stressed, it's easy to lash out, isn't it? Even when it's not other people's fault. You're just blowing off steam, but... Try to be gracious with others even when you're not feeling in your right place. Learn from Joseph. Be gracious in every circumstance, every relationship you have. And by the way, uh, this doesn't just apply to Christmas. You can do this in January as well. Be gracious. So. And then the final thing, our final point today, uh, number five, let God use you in the twists and turns of life. I mean, yeah, Joseph, 
I mean, talk about turns and twists. I mean, uh, horrible. But yet, he rolled with the punches, if you want to put it that way. Pulled one way, and then the other, and then the other, and, and through it all, he tried to stay faithful to God and let God use him. And so, right, Joseph, when he woke up from the dream after the angel spoke to him, he and Mary were soon married, just as the Lord told them to. They didn't sleep together before the baby was born, and then Joseph named him Jesus and truly became his father. He allowed God to use him, even as life was pulling him this way and the other. And, 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 and God was going to continue to do that in Joseph and Mary's life. And Joseph continued to stay faithful, trusting in God, allowing God to use him for however long he was going to live. And unfortunately, he died early. And that happens sometimes too. But, but we know about Joseph's life because he was willing to be used. He's not the one who died to save the world, but he was the father of the one who died to save the world. He raised him. This man who he never would have heard of, who would have had a completely insignificant life from a human perspective, because he was willing to say yes to God. God used him in an extraordinary way. Now, most of us are not going to give birth to the Messiah. That only happened once. That was Joseph and Mary. But, but the truth is, God can use you and me. In the life you have now, you don't have to have a life that's perfect for God to use it. You don't have to have a, a heart that's perfect for God to use it. Because if so, he would never use any of us. Because not only is Christmas imperfect, yet beautiful, but every person here is imperfect, messy, yet beautiful. Every single one of us, every one of you. And I hope you can see that, that there is beauty. God has given you beauty in you and your life through the imperfections and the mess. That's the truth of Christmas. That's the blessing of Christmas. Let God use you. During Christmas, Jesus, the Son of God, entered into this world, entered into your life and mine to show us the truth of God's love and His grace, to show us that He is present and here with us, that He keeps His promises that He'd made for hundreds and thousands of years in Scripture, through the prophets. He kept those promises, and he will keep his promises today. Christmas was 2,000 years ago, but the truth of Christmas is just as true today as it ever has been. Amen. And not just for the world, but for you. I hope you, every single one of us, can sense God's presence with you right now. And I hope that you're allowing God to give you a glimpse of his purpose for you, of how he can use you. Again, but we gotta get out of, our, out of ourselves and open ourselves up to what God may want to do beyond the mess that we often focus on in life to see that God can actually use that mess to bring blessing. Just like he did in Mary and Joseph.
Now, if you have never invited God and his presence into your life, if you've never said yes to God's purpose for you, if you've never thought about the promises God might make to you, that he has made to you, for life and forgiveness and bringing you into his family, I encourage you, don't wait. God is here. Jesus Christ wants to enter into your life. He wants to empower your life. He wants to give you his love and his forgiveness, his purpose, his meaning, his strength, so that you can live not just an ordinary life. He comes to us in our ordinary life, but gives us an extra ordinary life. If you would like that today, I just encourage you right now to pray with me and invite God into your life in a brand new way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, that you, God, came to this world in our mess and our imperfection to show us your love and your presence your activity, your purpose, your meaning, your forgiveness, your new life. Through the suffering and sacrifice of Jesus, Lord, I want your presence. I want your forgiveness. I want to know your purpose in my life as it is right now today. So Lord, I invite you in. Lord, I choose right now to trust in you and your presence, your purpose for me. I don't fully understand what that all is going to look like as I, as I move down the road, just like Mary and Joseph, did, Joseph didn't know fully what that meant when they started. But, but Lord, I want to have a life of significance the way they did. I want you to make my life meaningful, purposeful, a difference, extraordinary. So thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer with me and gave your life to Jesus Christ today, welcome to the family of God. Uh, you are beginning a, a new journey that is going to be pretty amazing in a whole host of ways. And through the ups and downs of life, he will always be there guiding and strengthening and empowering you. And we want to be an encouragement to you as well here at Crossroads. And one of the ways we want to be an encouragement is we would love to get this Bible into your hands this week. And if you would take the Connect card you'll find in the bulletin and, uh, and just fill out your name, address, email, phone number, whatever. At very least your name and address, but as much as you're, you're able. Uh, and mark starting my relationship with Jesus. Or if you're renewing your relationship with Christ, you can mark that. And we'll get this Bible to you. The Bible is God's word. It's full of his promises, his purpose for our life, and, uh, and the empowerment and his presence that he, he offers to us. So... And you know, one of the things that, 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 that we do as a church to, to show God's presence and his activity in our lives is we do something called communion. Uh, it's also called the Lord's Supper. I'll trade you. And uh, in, it, it's a meal. It's a small meal. But with the bread and the juice, we celebrate and remember that God came to earth in Jesus Christ. He loved us so much that he sacrificed his life for us on the cross to pay the penalty 
for our sin, the penalty that we deserved, he took upon himself. And so the bread symbolizes the body of Christ that hung on the cross. The juice symbolizes the blood that flowed from him when, his, when the nails were pounded into his hands and into his feet to hang upon the cross, when the, when the spear pierced him to make sure he was, he was dead before the day was done. But his physical suffering was nothing compared to the spiritual suffering that he took upon himself, not just my sin, and that would have been enough, but all of our sin he took upon himself, unjustly, yet willingly, for us, that we might be forgiven completely, that we could have new life. And that's why we celebrate Christmas, because ultimately Easter came around, right? If Jesus had been born but had never gone to the cross, Christmas wouldn't have meant much. We would never celebrate it. But because Christ gave his life for us, because he entered into our life right here as it is, we celebrate communion. And so as we, as we prepare our hearts to receive the elements, just take a moment to recognize God's presence with you right now. Not just God doing something 2,000 years ago, but the effects of that are with you right now. Jesus is here in this place and with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, prepare our hearts now to receive you as we receive the bread and the cup. May you again fill our hearts with your presence and your grace. May we claim again your promise of forgiveness and new life. Thank you, Lord. Amen. If you peel off the top, this is the body of Christ given for us on the cross. Take and eat. Do this in remembrance of him. And as you open the next, the bottom compartment, This juice symbolizes the blood of Christ shed on the cross for you and for me. Take and drink. Do this in remembrance of him. May God bless you today, tomorrow every day until Christmas and beyond with the truth of his presence and his grace, his love for you, his desire for you. Amen. Amen. Bless you.